Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. So good to see you today. How's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Awesome. We've had a great day today already. Uh, If you are new to our church or just connecting with Numa Church uh, back after the last couple of years in the wilderness, um, we are back with Vision Month. And so last week, if you haven't heard uh, the message from last week, I'd encourage you to go to our podcast or go to our Numa Church YouTube channel and check out the message because it's really important. We've announced some really massive things and uh, including all things we're planting in Numa, San Francisco uh, this year. And Pastor Don and Hannah Osborne are going to be leading the charge there. And we announced that Pastor Stephen Candice Alfine will be heading over to Numa South later this year to be a part of that. And so we've um, given you a vision booklet. It should be on your seat when you came in or you were given it when you you walked in. Please read that, pray over that. There is also a vision offering card. We are two weekends away from putting in our offering or our pledge for the year. And uh, God has blessed our church in the arena of finance, particularly as it relates to vision. Over the last few years, we've seen a great increase. And we want to be transparent and just say we are believing uh, in order to meet the vision needs and goals that we have this year. We're believing for $1.7 million uh, to be given to the offering just last year, just over 1.5. And we're believing that as we stretch together and as we prayerfully consider what it is that we're going to give, that together, as we've got a big God, this church has a big heart, and we want to be a part of fulfilling a big need in the world, that we all together are going to make a difference. And we all have capacity in different ways, time, energy, resource. Let's be a part of the solution. And so we bring our focus to disciple the nations, which is all about the work that we do, uh, not just in our own backyard and neighbourhood, but all across the earth. And so Matthew 28, 16 to 20 is the passage of Scripture that is our focus today. It's the Great Commission. And the Bible says in verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to tell you a little story about a guy by the name of Larry Walters. Uh, Back in 1982, true story, Larry Walters went to an army surplus store and he decided that he wanted a different perspective on life. And so he bought 75 weather balloons and he went and tied those balloons in after he inflated them to a, a lawn chair. And he sat on the lawn chair and he said to his friend who the, to untie the rope on the pickup truck that was connected to the lawn chair. And uh, little did he know that he was about to be catapulted 2,000 feet in the air immediately upon that rope being untied. All he took with him was nothing but a peanut butter sandwich, 
a six pack of beer. You'll be glad to know we've got double zero Carlton draft here today. And, and a fully loaded BB gun to pop the balloons just in case the lawn chair got a little bit too high. Well, two hours later, LAX reported an unidentified flying object at 16,000 feet in the air and lawn chair Larry, as he became affectionately known by the media, was three miles in the sky. He was 100 miles from his original launching pad and a pilot of a 737. This has to be true to actually be this crazy. A pilot of a 737 is trying to make out what he is seeing in front of his eyes. He spots Larry passed out on the lawn chair, still holding his rifle and a can of beer as the thing's just floating into orbit. And SWAT units got up in a plane and did a daring rescue, lassoing the balloons and bringing him back to planet Earth. And when the reporters finally got to lawn chair Larry and said, what on earth were you thinking? Why did you do what you do? Larry's response is gold. He said, I just got tired of sitting around. I think a lot of believers feel a lot like Larry. They just get tired of sitting around bored with online church. They come to a point in their journey in their life where they say, you know what? I've been there, seen it all, bought the t-shirt, but I'm bored. They give their tithe, they behave as best they can. I hope to get across the line on judgment day all the while afflicted with a nagging sense that they ought to be doing something more meaningful with their lives. They hear that Jesus is building his church. They hear prayers prayed in that vein, songs that we sing in that vein. And they hear that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And to be honest, they're, while they sing it and declare it, all the while struggling to prevail over their own personal habits and private sins, let alone the gates of hell. And so today, if this comes remotely close to your experience of God or your experience of the local church, I'm praying today that God would give us a paradigm shift of how we approach our relationship with Jesus and how we approach mission in the local church. Because how we often approach the mission of the church can be likened to the metaphor of a boat. And there are three types of boats that sort of give us indicators as to how many believers in the modern church approach their faith in Jesus and modern church life. First of all, there is the cruise liner church. This is where the church offers a buffet of religious goods and services that improves one's quality of life. And as long as that buffet is according to my palate and my taste and serves all the demographic needs of my family, we're all good. It's all okay. And we're gonna continue to be aboard that cruise ship. And, uh, but the moment it doesn't suit my palate and taste, I'm looking for another cruise liner. And so many believers in the modern church can sort of approach church like a cruise liner. Other churches are more like battleship churches. This is where the members of the church, the people who are in the church, recognise there is a mission, there is a cause, and there is a spiritual battle at work, but they're too busy with their careers and their kids and their lives and everything that they do in their sport and everything they do in their lives. And so they, whilst they recognise that there is a battle, 
they pay the staff, the leaders, the board, the elders, the specialists to fight the battles on their behalf. So they make sure they pay their kingdom taxes to keep the thing moving and everything that needs to happen. But don't ask me to do too much more than that because I'm too busy with my life. That's a battleship church. And then finally, there is the aircraft carrier church, which is most sort of closely aligned to the idea of the New Testament church. That is, it's a church that recognises not only that there is a mission and there is a spiritual battle, but that the church is there to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, to actually equip us to fight the battle at the front line of our everyday lives. That's God's idea of the New Testament church. If you were to uh, light a stick of dynamite and launch it 500 feet in the air and it explodes, would you say that that stick of dynamite has served its purpose, it's been successful? Well, on one level, yes. But after five minutes of us all looking into the air wondering what just happened, all that you would be left with is smoke just sort of disappearing in the sky. But if you were to take that same stick of dynamite and burrow it in or dig it into the side of a rock face and that dynamite explodes, all of a sudden now you have a different metric and measure of success. Because that rock face in that mountain now has an opening, it now has an access point where once it was cold and, and, and mountain-like. And so we as a mission church, Numa Church, a church on mission, we're not just concerned with how visible the explosion is on Sunday morning, but we're concerned with how effective we penetrate the, the darkness of the mountain of the world on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's not just about how big the, the, the Holy Spirit bang is on Sunday. It's about us taking that encounter, that experience, that word into the rest of our lives 24-7. And every single one of us today is at the tip of the gospel spear that is sent to penetrate the darkness of the world with light. And so if we are going to think and approach the mission of the church differently and find our place and our role in that, we need to think about God biblically. Because when you start to look at who God is, you realise he's on mission because God sent Jesus to earth. In John 1.14, we read, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glorious of the only Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, God took the initiative. When you and I were dead in our sin, lost, we weren't seeking him. We didn't want to know him. We wanted to live for ourselves. God took the initiative. And when we didn't even know we needed salvation, he sent us a saviour. He did the heavy lifting. Jesus came even while we were still sinners. He was born as a baby. He lived a sinless life. He trained 12 disciples and equipped them to go and be apostles. That would be the, the forefathers and the, the government of the first church. He died upon a cross for your sin and my sin. He took upon himself your sin and my sin. And then he rose again three days later. And then he ascended to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit so that the first church could be planted and you and I could be a part of this mission of saving the earth 
And before Jesus actually, uh, uh, well, should I say after Jesus' resurrection, he says in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. That word sent appears about 44 times in the New Testament. In fact, the word apostle, you would have heard this phrase, apostle apostolic, it means a sent one. It speaks of an ambassador or someone who is sent on behalf of, of the, the master, the chief, the sending party, a kingdom sent to represent and to carry the values, the principles, the beliefs, the insights, the culture of that kingdom into another region of the earth and to establish that culture. It speaks of what happened in the Roman Empire. The word apostle is sort of a Roman term that Jesus adopted to help us understand what our mission as disciples of Jesus is in the earth today. And so every single one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a sent one. You're called to be apostolic. And apparently God has given you and I everything we need to get the job done. God's given us Jesus. Jesus has given us the cross and the empty tomb and the Holy Spirit. God's given us the Word of God. And apparently for 2,000 years, that's enough. Because for 2,000 years, churches have exploded all across the earth. And there have been moves of God in generations in different ways and in different epochs and seasons and generations. And now we are here in 2022 and, and God's Word, His Holy Spirit, the cross, the empty tomb is still ours and it's more than enough. It's everything we need to continue the mission of Jesus Christ. Now, many of, us, many of us ask this question, and I've asked this question in my past, what is God's will for my life? And when we ask that, we're wanting the specific blueprint. What are the details? What are the specifics of, you know, who am I to marry and where am I to live and what course of study I'm to have, what job I'm to have? And those questions are okay to a point but many of us, when we ask that question, what is God's will for my life? We act like God's will is lost. But you need to understand today, asking God what his will is for your life is a little bit like trying to use a flashlight to find the sun. Because like the sun, God's will isn't lost. So you don't need to find it. You just need to acknowledge he's already revealed will and you need to obey it. And you say, well, what's God's will? It's all throughout the word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. But in 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, it, my will is that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so unfortunately, too many of us as believers, we're sort of searching for or waiting for a heavenly voice for God to say now, live here, date this person, go here, do this. And we are failing to ignore the, the actual or acknowledge the actual verse of scripture that reveals what God's will is. And I've discovered in my life that when I got caught up in fulfilling God's dream, God's heart, God's will, all of those other details could, took care of itself. I didn't have to try and strain and strive and struggle to make all these things happen. It's called seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to you. We get busy, stressed, pressured, trying to chase after all these other things. And the Lord's like, hey, it, it's actually easier than what you think. 
Just seek first the kingdom of God. Just love me, live for me, be on mission with me. Sounds simple, but it's challenging, it's profound. We're gonna unpack some of the challenge of that in a moment. But be on mission with me and all these other details, when you, it's on a need to know basis. When you need to know, oh, oh, do you ever say that parents with your kids? When you need to know, I'll let you know. Kids wanna know everything. Why, that's the question, why? Well, maybe I don't wanna tell you why right now. And sometimes our heavenly father is like, if you know too much about too much, you'll run ahead of me. But there are some things right now on this date in February of 2022, I wanna teach you, I wanna show you. I I, I want you to take my yoke upon you. I want you to learn from me. I want you to just wake up today and begin the day with me. I wanna teach you some things. I wanna show you some things. I want you to be planted in Newman Church where today in this house, I'm gonna speak into your heart. I'm gonna show you some things. I'm gonna highlight some things to you and that's what you need for today. And then as you journey with me on mission tomorrow, you're gonna come to me and you're gonna learn from me and I'm gonna teach you some more. Why is it that we always wanna be in control of all the pieces of the puzzle and we wanna sort of, we're control freaks. You know what that's driven by? Fear. We're afraid that if we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle and we don't know, oh, I'm gonna miss out, major FOMO in the church. And it's like, no, no, you have a loving heavenly Father who's already saved you from your sin. He's already made every provision for you to be unstuck as we heard in communion. And for you to live a full and abundant life doesn't mean it's without, not without its challenges, its tribulations. But He said, take heart, I've overcome the world. He doesn't want you to get ahead. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And you need to know what the Spirit's doing today and where He's going. He's on mission. He's on mission. He's not just thinking about the intimate details of your life. If you will get on mission with Jesus, God will take care of the intimate details of your life because He's more committed to His mission than you are. He's more committed to you having what you need to do what you need to do more than you do. And so if you would trust Him with your life and get on mission with Him, you'll be amazed at what God will do with your life. As God sent Jesus to earth, you need to know Jesus has sent us, you, to disciple the nations. Matthew 28, 18, the Bible says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. Consider this, all authority in the universe was given to Jesus. Just let that sink in for a second. Sometimes we read the Bible and we pass over things. All authority in the cosmos, Jesus has it. What do you think someone with a misguided heart could do with all that authority? What if you were given all authority in heaven and on earth? Lots of men and women want it. Don't don't understand, they weren't built for it. But Jesus took all authority in heaven and on earth and rather than serving himself, he empowered us. And he said, I'm authorising you to take my love, to take my message, to take the gospel, to go into the world and not be consumed with self and building your kingdom, but build 
a kingdom that will last for all eternity. Reconcile a broken and lost world to my... Is there not a greater cause than the cause of reconciliation and reconciling broken humanity back to the heart of God? Do you ever stop to consider God's your boss? He's your employer. When I answered the call of God, after I worked in the police force, fitness industry and different jobs, Lord said, I'm your boss. I'm your employer. And by the way, I pay well. So just follow me. I'll look after you. And I've just learned and I've discovered the dude who has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's our Lord. He's our saviour. He's our master. He, he owns everything. He's got everything you need. So why wouldn't I trust him with my life, with everything I have and let him lead me and guide me as I join him on mission? He said, go therefore with this authority and make disciples. Not just in your own backyard, not just in your own sporting club or community or local education provider or in your neighbourhood or in your cafe. That's where we begin, but then take it to the nations. Baptise them, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. There are two aspects to this one commission. Firstly, it's this idea of make disciples. There are some specific practices and things that help us make disciples. We'll equip you and empower you around that. But here in this text, two key things, baptise them and teach them. The word disciple is in the Greek meaning student, learner, follower. To be a disciple of Jesus is actually to be on mission with Jesus. You can't separate or divide the two. You can't say, well, I follow Jesus, but I'm not, in, I'm not too interested in any of that mission stuff because can't I just attend church? I mean, I've got Netflix TV series to catch up on and I've just, you know, I'm busy and I've got smashed avo on Sunday mornings that I'd like to eat. And so maybe church, yeah, maybe not. And so, you know, we sort of think, can't I just attend church and sort of, sort of follow Jesus? Well, it's a little bit like Jesus saying to the Father, I know you've got the cross and the whole salvation of the world thing. Can't you just chop off my little toe and shed a little bit of blood? And it's all good. I mean, it's all good. Because this cross thing is fairly severe. I mean, it sounds a little bit full on. The old nails in the wrist and feet, the old piercing of the side and the crown of thorns and the whole, you know, asphyxiation. Not too keen about that. Just heads up, Father. In fact, that's what Jesus said. Father, if it be your will, could this cup of suffering please pass from me? And there was a pause in the cosmos. No, okay. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Apparently the father said, look, son, your little toe's beautiful, but it's not enough because there can be no salvation without sacrifice. There can be no forgiveness of sins without the laying down of one's life and the shedding of blood. You cannot follow Jesus on your terms. You can't follow Jesus and follow yourself at the same time. We want to follow Jesus at our convenience. 
And yet the Bible is filled with all sorts of challenges and convictions to that convenience and comfort, complacency in our hearts. I heard someone say once, he who tries to go in two directions at the same time will split their pants. And I think there's a lot of wisdom to that because I think a lot of people in the church are trying to sort of go two directions at the same time and they're getting themselves all caught, messed up and confused and jumbled up and they're stretched in all directions because they're trying to appease the view and uh, an opinion of the world whilst at the same time trying to follow Jesus. No, make up your mind. This is the day of salvation. This is the hour where you can't just sort of, today is the day of salvation. Thousands upon thousands of multitudes are in the valley of decision. Today, you've got to decide how you're gonna live your life. Who you're, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Once you make that decision and you cross the line, everything else becomes peripheral. It's all sorted. There's no incongruency. There's no pressure to try and conform to some other opinion or spirit of the world. You've decided which camp you're in. Let's not try and go two directions. Let's follow Jesus. How can we baptise and teach others if we never go public with our faith or we don't even know what Jesus taught? And this is a challenge in the modern age. I talk to so many people over and over again about the challenges in their workplace to share their faith. Where there are all sorts of policies and rules about what you can do and what you can't do. But I want to tell you today, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to share your faith and live your life. Uh, Just recently, literally just this week, uh, after many years of journeying with some of the soccer dads that are connected with our, our kids' soccer club. Uh, we got, we're on the phone and we're talking and we're talking all about you know the games coming up and pickups and drop-offs and all practical things. And out of the blue, he just says, hey, do you, would you be interested in having a beer with me sometime and talking about the Bible? I said, sounds fantastic. And he said, because I'd love to sit down with you. I've read the Quran and I've read the Bible and I would love to hear about your faith and, and why you believe what you believe. He says, I'm really interested. I've been meaning to ask you. Here we are journeying with this. I've never tried to sort of hide my faith away. They know I'm a follower of Christ. They know I, I'm a leader of a, this amazing church, but neither have I gone in sort of within two seconds, guns blazing and just firing cannons and, and, and cringe factor. We've built relationship. We've journeyed with people. We've lived a life that's congruent, so there's respect there. And they say, now I want to know the reason for the hope that you have. I'm telling you, people are more ready than we realise. But too many of us are practising closet Christianity. And it's time, in the kingdom sense, we came out of the closet. Seriously. And you say, but it's not popular. And like, I'll be laughed at. Yeah. Because if they did it to Jesus, I'd probably do it to you. But you've got to work out whose kingdom are we building? Paul said, if I was still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a minister of the gospel. And we think, but that's great for you, Pastor Corey, because you're the leader of the church and you're paid to do this and you're supposed to do this, but we don't understand that normal Christianity is a Christianity where we're all in and not partly in. You can't be sort of half saved. You're either all saved 
or you're not. And it's so important that we understand we will always reproduce after our kind. And so to make a disciple, you first have to be one. There's only one or two things that Jesus said do secretly. He said, when you fast, don't let anyone know about it. Don't ask for the sympathy vote. When you pray, go into your room and pray in secret. Obviously in church we pray, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So there's a corporate expression. But in terms of our personal life, go into that secret place with God and God who sees in secret will reward you. And then he says the third thing that you do in secret is giving. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Don't advertise it. Don't market it. Just do it. They're the only three things he said to do secretly. Everything else go public. He says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So here's one aspect. Make disciples. The other aspect is go to the nations and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all people groups. So between the scattering of nations in Genesis 12 and the healing of nations in Revelation 22, God's on mission. And he invites you and I to join him. Bruce Hills, I love what he says. God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. Sometimes we become so church centric that rather than Christianity, it becomes churchianity. And it's about the church. Well, yes and no. It's actually about the mission. And the church is the vehicle that God uses to fulfill and achieve his mission of salvation of the earth. That's why he says in Psalm 2.8, Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. God has a dream and he's more committed to it than you and I. He wants the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge and glory of the Lord. On a mission trip to Thailand several years ago, members of our team went on a prayer walk. And when you go on a mission trip, there's different things you can do. You can do practical things, uh, building things, serving practical needs, medical needs. You can also go on prayer walks. There's all sorts of things you can do, evangelistic uh, outreaches, all sorts of things. So some members of our team went on a prayer walk. They found themselves praying out the front of a building, praying into the, the, the lives of the people that were in that building, praying for God's purpose and his intentions for that building, that facility to come to pass. And there was a group of shops in that building. Well, they moved on with their prayer walk, returned. Little did they know that several years later, the very building that they prayed over and for on this mission trip would become the facility of Numa, Bangkok in Thailand. The church that's in Bangkok right now meets in that very building that those people on that mission trip were praying into. I want to tell you today, the prayers that we pray, the money that we give, the, the, the time and energy we invest is literally shaping history. It's altering people's destinies. It's changing people's lives. No seed planted, no gift given, no time invested goes to waste. God does not ignore it. It all comes back for His eternal purposes in people's lives. We may not all go overseas permanently, but every disciple of Jesus is called to be going. Going and making, going and making. And it begins in our neighbourhood. It begins right where we are, but it must move beyond us because the number one characteristic of a movement, you've guessed it, is movement. This is deep revelation today. It's heavy revy, I tell you. The number one characteristic of a movement is movement. 
What was Pastor Raf speaking to today? That when you're in Christ, at one point you may have been stuck, but when you're in Christ, God gets you unstuck and gets you moving. Changing, transforming. And so if we're not going where Jesus is going, we're not following him. We're living for ourselves. You see, before Jesus ascended to the Father, he promised us God's presence accompanies those who are going. He said, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Have you noticed how many of Jesus' promises around his presence are only complementary or or accompany those who are going with him? Promises like John 12, 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. So we know that theologically, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's true. But we think, well, wherever I am, that's where God is. Okay, yes, on one level, because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives inside of us. But you need to understand, you can live your life, yes, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, but never really see dramatic breakthrough in your life because you're not going where Jesus is going. He lives inside of you as almost like this internal reality, but it's not externally outlived in your life. And so for me in my life, I can be filled with the Spirit and I can sort of live my life on my terms and never really see God move powerfully through. But I find when I join Jesus with what he's doing and build what he's building, that's where Jesus is. That's where he... The power of the Holy Spirit manifests in my life. Hebrews 13, 13 says, let us go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. In other words, if we want the power of Jesus' presence to be with us, sometimes we need to get outside of our comfort zone and we need to go where he's going. You see, in the kingdom of God, discipleship is measured by what we give to others, not by what we keep for ourselves. The one basic question about discipleship we need to ask over and over again is simply this. Whose kingdom are we building? God's or ours? And Jesus said in John 12, 24, he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Only when a seed is planted and dies can it produce life. A seed just in your hand, mustard seed, whatever type of seed, apple seed, pumpkin seed, whatever seed you want. When that seed is in your hand, you acknowledge it. It's got life pregnant within it, but until it's planted in the soil and dies, the life within it cannot live. It's the same in the kingdom of God. God's kingdom grows only as we die to our control of the seed that he's given to us and we plant it in the soil. You say, well, what's the seed that God's given to me? The prayers you pray. The finance and resources put into your hands. The time and energy that you invest in your life. Everything, including the breath in your lungs, is a seed. And you can spend your life and spend and waste your seeds on rock-hard sort of thorny pursuits and won't produce fruit. Or you can invest and plant that seed into the kingdom of God and it live on for all eternity. 
Now, unfortunately, there are some passages in the Bible that are pretty scary and we don't like to talk about them much because they don't generally attract customers to the church. And so preachers tend to avoid them. And yet we've got to preach a whole council of truth because we love you enough and care enough to speak the truth. Right. And one of those passages of scripture is that and Jesus talked about this, is that there's coming a day where we it's called judgment day, where we're going to have to give an account for how we've spent our seed how we've lived our life, what we've done with the abilities and gifts and graces that God has given to us. And the Bible says that our works will be tested by fire. And each one's work in that moment of purging will be revealed for what it is. You can even preach the gospel on Sunday morning in February and be doing it for all the wrong reasons and this moment be burned by fire. You might get to heaven, but the seeds are wasted. Because motivation matters. Why we do what we do matters. What we do with what God's given to us matters. I don't know about you, but I want to stand before him in healthy awe and fear. Not that he's going to hurt me, but I want to stand before him and say, God, the seeds that you gave to me, I did the best I could to live for you, to follow you. In fact, I don't even think there'll be a conversation on that day. We'll just be standing in awe of his majesty and his glory. All I know is, are we investing and planting the seeds that he's given to us into things that are going to live on for eternity or are going to die in the temporary? The good news is, you don't have to be a lawn chair, Larry. You don't have to attach 75 weather balloons to a lawn chair to get a new perspective on life and do something different just because you're bored, you actually just need to present your body as a living sacrifice and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to be on mission with you. And God says, good, I've been waiting. I gave you the breath in the lungs. I gave you that education, by the way. I gave you that job. I gave you that relationship, not just to enjoy it for yourself, but to actually be one flesh on mission. Yeah. I gave you those kids, not just to control them and cause agony for them, but to actually disciple them and raise them in the ways of the kingdom of yeah. God. Because they don't belong to you. I've just given them to you to steward. Yeah. Everything we have, we live and move and have our very being in God. Yeah. Everything is his. Yeah. It's all going to go back into the box. So let's Give what God has given to us for his glory and honour. Let's disciple the nations. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you in this moment. And I believe in praying for God's blessing on your life. I believe in praying that God will favour you in your workplace and give you good success in every area of your life. All of those things are provided for under the new covenant and the word of God. Except today, that's not what this prayer is. This prayer is about us presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. It's about us not just paying mental assent that there is a vision offering in a couple of weeks or that there is even ministries and responsibilities to fulfill here in the church or that there are nations for us to go to and help. It's about saying, God, here is my life. Here is the breath in my lungs. Here is everything I have. And I just ask that none of us be moving around 
But in this moment, we just pause and we stop. Why don't you close your eyes? And if you say, I'm going to willfully participate in this prayer right now. Then as I pray, I want to invite you just to extend your hands as a sign, an act of worship and surrender and say, God, here is my life. Here is my time, energy, resource. I'm a follower of you. I need you. I'm following you. I give my all to you. Come and make something beautiful out of my life. Father, today we come to you and we are reminded that 2,000 years ago, your son, under the shadow of the cross and in the darkness of Gethsemane, prayed and his sweat was like drops of blood with the pressure of what he was about to face. And he considered the off-ramp, the exit ramp of His calling and His purpose and destiny. And yet He said, yet not my will, but Yours be done. Lord, there are moments in all of our lives where we need to say no to our will and yes to Your will. And today in this moment, as our hands are raised and our lives are presented before You, we come to You in this Vision Month and on Disciple the Nation Sunday, we see what's happening around the world. We're inspired, our hearts are moved. But God, I pray that it would not just be this moment, but Lord, it would be a miracle in motion. That Father, that You would move us to action. I pray, oh God, that every morning we wake up, we would present our bodies as living sacrifices. That Lord, we would be holy and pleasing, not in our own effort, but because of the sanctification and work of Your Spirit in our hearts and lives. And today, oh God, we thank You for the gifts. We thank You for the money. We thank You, oh God, for the relationships. We thank You for everything You've given to us. But we come to You today and we lay it all on the altar and say, God, it ultimately comes from You. And so we give it back to You today. Would You take our lives, take the breath in our lungs and use it to declare Your praise and Your glory? Would You take our travel plans this year or lack of? And would You put on our hearts what Your intention for our travel this year is? What Your purposes and plans for our lives are this year? Would You take our resources and would You help us to align it to the truth of Your Kingdom and trust You that You are gonna provide and supply our need? We lay it all on the altar and we say, God, come and build Your church through us in 2022 as we partner with you on mission to disciple the nations. Come on, wherever you are, let's worship. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.